You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Chicago and the monthly edition that we put together of Catholic Schools Today. My name is Vince Girasoli. I'm here from the communications team here at the Archdiocese of Chicago, but we're here to talk about schools today and uh, one of my favorite subjects. Uh, all right, so don't say lunch. All right, I'm going to tell you. Guys, pull up a picture of you, of you in the control room for a second. Pull up a picture there. So raise your hand. What, 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 all right, there's Brian. Brian, I'm going to guess on what your favorite subject was. I'm just going to guess, guess. Social studies. Yep, we got it there. And then, Javier, I'm going to guess it's English for you. Yes or no? Up, Thumbs up or thumbs down? What was your favorite subject? English, yes. It was, okay. I think he's just saying that because he wants to get the camera off of him right away. <laughs> and mine was always uh, history and English, those, you know, the, the side of the brain that didn't uh, require you to add two and two and come up with seven in my case. Uh, but uh, we really have some special guests today. We're going to travel all the way out to River Forest to St. Luke uh, School, where one of their students has just excelled at history so much that uh, she's been able to compete on the city state, and now national level uh, in a national history competition. And we want to learn so much more about it because um, it isn't that you just have to read up on a bunch of history and then answer a bunch of questions. You really have to put a topic together and we're going to learn all about that. So I'd like to welcome our guests here today. Let's see them on the screen and say hello. Hi, everybody. It's nice to see you. Joining us is uh, Andrew DeMarco. He's the principal at St. Luke School. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Thanks for having us this morning. Okay. And then James Bradiger, he's the middle school social science teacher. Hi, James. How are you today? I am excellent. I am excellent. Okay. And we save the best for last. Um, and uh, we have Ryan, who's joining us today. And Ryan, please help me pronounce your your, your last name correctly here. Ryan... Ryan Dawson. Ryan Dawson. Thank you very much. And Ryan Dawson is an eighth grader. Uh, we're speaking to Ryan on one of the last days of school, but uh, you're, you uh, have a, a big honor coming up in June. You're going to the National History Competition. Uh, where's that taking place? Um, this year it's virtually, but usually it would be in Maryland. Usually. Okay. So you're, you're going to be competing. Are you going to go to the school or are you going to do it from your home or where do you think you'll set up for the competition? Um, we'll be in the school. You'll be in the school. Are you going to have a, a, a cheering section there for you? You think your teachers or your <laughs> principal might be there cheering or maybe your, uh, people from your family? They'll definitely be there supporting yeah, me. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the competition taking place virtually, it's in June, but there were many steps you had to take to make it to the competition. And uh, it starts with just a spark, I guess, coming from your teacher. So, uh, Mr. DeMarco, if you could just tell us, how do you get your students prepared? How do you plant the seed to encourage the students to participate in this national competition, what starts out as a local and then makes its way to a national competition? Yeah, so I'm going to, I have Mr. Bradiger as the, okay. the social studies teacher here, so he can go ahead and, and kind of go through the process on how uh, he, he prepares the students. Um, could you give me the, the question one more time? Well, how do you how do you get the students interested in the competition in the first place? Um, I think, quite honestly, I, I try to make history come alive for the kids. Um, I'm constantly making connections with newspapers, with TV shows, with comments that we have in English. Um, and then I, I'm connected to something we're learning in the classroom. And I think over the three years that I teach them, they realize that history is anything but a dead subject. Um, and as we start doing history fair, I tell them by Christmas time, the, the, somebody in row four is going to be connected to somebody over here in row one. I mean, Jane Adams is connected to W.B. Du Bois. 
I mean, he, he actually talked at Hall House back in the day around 19 something, 19 whatever. Yeah, it's in my 20 years of Hall House. I mean, all the stories are connected and the kids are like, wow, this is amazing. And then they, they, they once they make that connection, the spark happens and the, and the fire starts every year. Ryan, tell me, when did you first get interested in the history fair, which is the first step making it to nationals? When did you first hear about it and how'd you get interested in it? Um, well, I've been at St. Luke since I was in third grade. I remember, I think it was like my first year at St. Luke third grade, I was walking um, in the upper floor and I remember seeing all the posters around for history fair and looking at the different exhibits. And I remember, I think it was one about the Black Panther Party that really caught my eye and I had read it. And I was like, oh, what's this? My teacher told me, oh, it's history fair. And I think since then I went home, I told my mom, like, I'm going to do history fair. <laughs> and I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And she was like, okay, maybe when the time is right. And so I kept on looking every year at those different posters and definitely taking ideas. And so I think that my curiosity about history fair and wanting to excel did start from, I think, about third grade. Ryan, what is it you have to do for history fair? What, what's the objective? So I feel like it really depends on your project and the student. I think that for some, the objective might be to you know excel and move on. I think that at least here at St. Luke, I think that the objective for history fair is always to find something that you're really passionate about, passionate about in history, and then really research it, like make it your own in a way, and then present it to your classmates and to your teachers and in a way that's like, here's what I learned and here's what's special to me. And so I you come up you special. you come up with a topic. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that you work uh, with your teacher, uh, Mr. Bradiger, but you come up with a topic and then you're responsible for researching it on your own. Um, yes, there was a theme. So this year is debate and diplomacy. And so based off of that theme, you have to pick a topic and then you research it. And do you come up with the topic or is there a list of topics? Um, we were all given some example topics we could pick from, but for the most part, you come up with your own topic. So you come up with your, and what part of the year does this all start? Is this something that you choose in, you're in eighth grade, so does it start in September or October? Do you wait until January to start it? I believe it did start in October. Yeah. So, okay, so you, you come up, you, you come up with your topic, and, and you consult with with your teacher, and then you can express your research in a whole number of ways. Or do they require that you write a paper, or are you are you able to I don't know write a poem or a song or create a piece of art? So there are different platforms for history fair. I believe there are paper, so you can write the paper an exhibit, which is like a trifold board poster. That's what I saw in the hallways. Mm -hmm. And there's performance. That's what I did. A documentary and a website. Okay, so you, you help me better understand the topic that you chose and why you chose it. So I did the post-Civil War Negro question. So it was post-Civil War um, leading up to construction and parts through reconstruction, I'm sorry. And the two main people in my debate are Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. And it focuses on the questions they were asking about what is the best way for African-Americans and post-enslaved people to integrate into American society. What was and your... So I know... Yeah, I interrupted you, but I was going to say, what, how did you research the topic then? What did you do to uh, get the information to present what sounds like maybe there were two points of view? Well, I know at first I had three. I was going to add in pan-Africanism as well. And then Mr. Radiger, my teacher, was like, no, I really think you should focus on the central <laughs> debate between W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington. And so he helped me narrow it down. And then I went on, um, I think my mom collects a lot of books for different African-American authors. And she had The Souls of Black Folk and Up From Slavery. So I think I started just by reading up from slavery and just in my computer class because it was a research period at that time. And I just started taking notes. And the more I researched, the more I feel like those people came alive to me almost. And I was able to sort of kind of distinguish their characters and their personalities in ways of like listening to them speak. And then I researched, I think, why I took their autobiographies. I read different books as well, different websites. And then I narrowed it down. So I wrote a debate between the two of them and what it would look like if they were both having a conversation really live back and forth. 
And so then you decided that you were going to be performing this. So did you perform, do you perform it as each of the individuals? Is, is that how it goes? Or did you put together a poem that sort of expresses it? How did you, how did you portray the two individuals and express your research? So I made it so I wrote from Du Bois's point of view and Washington's point of view. And then I wrote it out so it would be like them live going back and forth. So it was written out a speech. And then when I taped it for the performance, I would put like on a hat when I was Du Bois and talk in his accent, which is almost like a New England accent. And then of course, Washington was from the South. So he almost spoke like Bill Clinton. That's what I kind of really listened to. <laughs> and so, and was it hard putting that together? Have you always been a performer? I mean, I've been doing acting since I was about four years old. So I kind of already knew that I wanted to do a performance and bring theater into my history fair because it was definitely the two things I loved the most. I really do love history and I've been very engaged in politics since I was really young as well. And so I think that was for me, it was like the best of both worlds, but it did take a very long time. I'll say that it's probably took me about four months to really get the research and translate it into a speech that I think accurately portrayed how the two would have talked to each other. You know, I hate to put you on the spot right now, but I'm here to put you on the spot. So can you give me an idea of one of the themes in the presentation and give me just a little bit of each side, what they sounded like and what their opinions might be? Can you do that? Definitely. Um, Okay, so I know for Du Bois, um, I'll read, should I just say a little bit for you? Okay. Science credits Galileo being the first man to discover that the earth revolves around the sun and is not the center of the universe. And Galileo has scientific facts about his argument. However, when asked to either retract his statement or spend a lifetime in jail, Galileo chose to apologize to him in class. Galileo, scared to the face of movement, scared to die on the hill he climbed, chose to leave it to later generations to make the bold move of making a change. My opponent, the Galileo, fans of flames revolution, but blows a fire out when it gets too hot. It would be easy to be a Galileo. It's said that the advancement of the Negro comes from taking industrial jobs. But if we dare to become scholars, we can become a united America. The future of African-Americans depends on us developing black scholars the same way the future of America depends on us having black scholars. All right. I, I, I wish you could hear everybody applauding here in the in in the studio. But uh, yeah, there they are. There. Brian's very happy. He's applauding. And so is Javier. Oh, that was wonderful. And especially, I mean, I put you on the spot there. I, folks who were watching this, she didn't know we were going to ask her to uh, do that section, and you did it perfectly. I have trouble memorizing um, the combination to my password that I have to change every day because I keep forgetting it, and you remembered all of that. So that was just wonderful. Um, I want to uh, talk to you so much more about not only what your presentation was about, but uh, about what you learned on this journey and how it impacted you um, as a young woman or you know teenager growing in, in, into adulthood. So we're going to do that after a break. So uh, everyone stay tuned. You are watching and listening to Catholic Schools Today, and we have more coming your way with a budding history scholar from one of our Catholic schools, St. Luke's, and uh, we hope you uh, stay right where you are. tranquil grounds of the University of St. Mary the Lake where you can pray, reflect, and learn from the rich treasures of the Bible. An invitation for all to experience the annual Summer Scripture Conference, June 19th to 24th, might just be for you. Notable Scripture scholars from across the United States will present this year's program, focusing on interpreting Scripture in the Church. The five presenters will share on a variety of topics, including interpreting scripture and the Vatican II documents, different Christian denominations and how they differ in perspectives on scripture, the Bible and politics in America today, what scripture says about children, how to use scripture in prayer, 
and interpreting scripture for the life and mission of the church. For registration and conference package information, visit our website at www.usml.edu slash summer scripture or call 847-837-4575. This year's conference will be both in person and virtual. Forty-four for me teaching. When I started here, there were teachers here that had taught me when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. <laughs> right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun and they get it. I see that light bulb go off and it's a thrill. People are always amazed. What? what? You're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. <laughs> I love what I do. Every summer I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations. <laughs> Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach. Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Welcome back, everyone, to Chicago Catholic. Here I am. I was reading. The, I was reading the the headline of our newspaper there, which is a different name. Welcome back to uh, Catholic Chicago and our edition of Chicago Schools today. I'm going to get right back to Ryan from St. Luke's because Ryan is a national finalist uh, in the nationwide history competition. Ryan, thanks for joining us. You're there along with your uh, history teacher James Bradiger and also your principal Andrew Demarco at St. Luke's. So thank you everyone for joining us. So uh, Ryan, you put together. Um, a topic, you researched it, it, you put together a presentation. Um, but I want to know, in addition to what you were able to put in the presenta- presentation, how did it impact you personally? What did you learn? And did anything about you change? Very good question. Uh, definitely. I think that a lot of the time when I hear about um history and specifically like post-slavery and the construction era, it's a lot of sadness and depression. And I think when I did this project, it was definitely focused on a lot of the trials and like the tribulations and things that happened. But I think I definitely found a level of joy than like the black experience post-reconstruction that I didn't really see in a lot of other places. And I think that finding the scholarship and like the need for education in both those people and seeing how well they excel in places that I know they would want me to be as well and seeing how hard they had to fight to get to those places and get to those meetings. And like the Atlanta Compromise speech, listening to that, I know I was able to find uh, an audio party listening to Booker T. Uh, I'm really trying to, that's a really good question, I'm really trying to process it. Um, <laughs> well, no, but exactly what you said is find the joy because so much, you know, we, we, especially this period of history, and Mr. Bradiger, come in here too, sometimes this is a period of history that, that too many history classes get to at the end of the year, and, and, and maybe they don't delve into it as much. And so you, you look at the, the, the major movements uh, of that era, but you don't necessarily get to all of it. Um, and, and your student there, Ryan, was able to find the joyous parts in it because she actually, you know, jumped right into it. I'm sure the 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 situation is the same regardless of whatever the topic may be. Correct, Mr. Bradiger? It is amazing when the kids get these topics, how far they take them and how how much they delve into them. Um, the, when I was talking to Ryan earlier, I mean, she literally found an audio recording of Burger T. Washington's 1895 Atlanta Compromise speech. Then the amount of resources that are out there, the amount of information that the kids learn how to to uh, get to, how to harness it, um, what's a, what's a good website, what's a good resource, what's a bad resource, what's a bad, and then does it lean left, does it lean right, does it lean in the middle, you know, .org, .com, .this, I mean, it's uh, it's it's fascinating. It's James, fascinating. James, had you it. had you ever heard that recording before? To date, I still have not recorded. I haven't. I have homework to do. <laughs> <laughs> but Ryan, you were able to, I mean, Ryan, you found something that your teacher 
had not experienced yet. I mean, that's just, just to use a word you used before, just the joy of that moment. Um, it must have been so inspiring. Definitely. I think I was really struggling with trying to figure out how Booker T. Washington would talk because he was a scholar. I mean, he had like a really great classic education, but he was also, I know, from the rural South in Virginia. So I was trying to figure out like the contrast and how he was speaking. And so I remember when I like stumbled upon that audio, it's like I found gold. I was like, this is perfect. This is what I need. And then I was able to like relate his voice, to, like Bill Clinton, that sort of sound. And so I was able to listen to more modern take things. So I could really just get the feel of Booker T. Mr. DeMarco, can you tell me what the atmosphere is like in this school when all of the projects are put up? We heard Ryan saying how years earlier, you know, in fifth grade and in sixth grade, she would see the projects and it sort of inspired her. Uh, but as the principal and as you look around the, the mood of the school at this time of year, can you sense that it's inspiring the younger classes to, to sort of jump into history as well? Absolutely. And it's, it's something that goes, you know, we, we, our building is three floors. It goes through all three floors of the building uh, from the young kids all the way up to the eighth graders. When uh, everyone knows the day that these, these history fair projects are, are submitted and turned in and uh, we display them all across the middle school uh, and the various places uh, around our building. And, and so, uh, you know, younger students like Ryan was mentioning when, when she came here in third grade, have the opportunity to to see what the eighth graders have put together, uh, and it inspires them at a very young age. And it inspires all of us, you know, as as the adults in the building too, to to see the work that the students have done, so, um, and and you can see some of those examples here. So the national competition is next month. It's June. Um, how are you going to? Are, are you know? Are you going to have a prep talk with Ryan? Uh, oh. Mr. Braddock or Mr. DeMarco, you're going to be like, okay, no. Ryan, we know you can do this. Now that <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've been talking to her for a couple minutes now. I don't think uh, she, she needs that. She doesn't need talk. any of us. I think I, <laughs> but we will, uh, we will have a, a gathering here and, and certainly uh, honor her and her family. And uh, we're looking forward to it, but I think she's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, Ryan, you know, you, you are representing, um, yourself, but in a way you're representing your school too, um, because your school helped, you know, your teacher there sitting there on your left and your principal there on your right, that they, they, you know, they helped light the fire that, that you carried the torch forward. Do, do, do you feel that when you're, when you're in the competition? Do you know that, that, you know, the sense of community that pushes you forward? Definitely. I feel like I've gotten nothing but definitely support for History Fair. I know my fellow uh, students could definitely say the same. History Fair is definitely a school-wide event. Even if you're not in eighth grade doing History Fair, I think that the support you get, I know a lot of people are coming up to me uh, the days and a couple of days after I got the announcement, we're like, oh my gosh, you made it to nationals. When are you going? And I was like, oh, it's virtual, but it was definitely excitement about the whole school. Uh, Mr. Bradiger, how is, how do you help teach the students to know sourcing? Because it's so easy to find information out there today, but you really have to verify the sources. What 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 sort of advice do you give to the students? And and Ryan, you can chime in here too. Uh, how do you verify source and make sure that you're looking at uh, something that's been vetted? Well, I think one of the first things we do is, and I, this starts early with my colleagues down. I'm not so sure on the basement floor because that's there four, five, and six. But but definitely starting in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, um, my colleagues help the children learn. When you go to that website, the first thing you read is the is who's sending the information. And as they get older, they develop a sense of what is a good website, what is a you know an appropriate website, what is a website that's leaning too far this way, too far that way. Then you know the ELA teachers do a very good job. Um, so quite honestly, by the time they get into eighth grade, uh, the English the English teachers really support this whole concept. Plus, they have a science fair before history fair, so they are well versed on what is a good website, what is a bad website, who's sending it, what kind of information are they doing, uh, what does the verbiage say, what kind of uh, signs or, or, or pictures are they putting on that website, what message are they trying to send, um, and they 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 um, after. A number of years, um, especially starting with fourth, they they, just, they internalize 
what is a good resource. Plus, we do have a little extra help here at St. Luke. A, a gentleman comes in to help us, uh, Mr. Thomas Giaconetti. And I mean, we, 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 we flood them with excellent, excellent. So there's resources. information so that they know how to verify the websites and make sure they're working with actual facts. Ryan, I know you said that your, your mom was a collector of all sorts of books from, from uh, this part of history. Did you use any of those as source material? Uh, definitely. My mom loves finding black joy. So that was a big part of like, I was so high, I felt really connected to my mom when I found those sort of things as well. And so I know Mr. Bradiger, all my three years that I've had him, he's always been like, books are going to be your best friend. <laughs> like very much like you can find it online, but if you can find it like hard copy published in a library, it's better. And it gives you more knowledge. And so I definitely when looking for sources was like, I need to read books. And I think that's how I found myself more connected to the boys in Washington. So my mom did have um, the Souls of Black Folk and Up From Slavery. And uh, she really liked Booker or W.E.B. Du Bois for a couple of years. So she collected um, a collection of his speeches. So I got that. And then definitely looking, going to my local library and finding those PDFs online from different libraries. You can get like eBooks and reading those. Definitely, I, did, I think they helped me more than any website could just because it was the cold hard facts and I wasn't as nervous about testing it. And there was no like .org, .net. So it was just, it was a lot easier. I have to say, Mr. DeMarco, one of the reasons we we wanted you to be with us today is so that you could tell us a little bit more about the nurturing environment at St. Luke's School. But you know what? I've strayed away from that only because I think all we have to do is listen to Ryan. If if Ryan is indicative of the students at your school, what a wonderful place it must be. And um, it just must be, I mean, and it's a combination of a teacher like Mr. Bradiger um, and other, you know, and Mr. Bradiger said it so well himself. He said, you know, there were other teachers earlier on in the process that, that bring a student to this level. So um, you just must be so proud just sitting back and letting Ryan be in the spotlight today because what a wonderful ambassador for St. Luke. She certainly is, and yes, uh, she she makes uh, my job and my role here as the principal and uh, much easier. And uh, it's a joy to come to school every day. She is uh, a great representation of what a, a St. Luke student um, represent, you know, is and and becomes as they as they spend their formative years here, and uh, and then working with you know colleagues like Mr. Bradiger and uh, and the the other teachers that we have in this building. Uh, I, I can't say enough. You know, it, it's it's not one person uh, that that does it all. You know, we, we collectively work together, uh, and our students see that, and 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 they do that as well. And they're working together and helping each other out, all for you know the common good of 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 learning and and becoming better people. Well, Mr. DeMarco, I thank you so much for joining us today. Mr. Braddocker, the same with you. And Ryan, we wish you the best of luck. We're going to be following you. Um, I'm. We're going to be. Uh, sending all the best positive energy your way uh, when it's time for the national competition in June next month. Thank you so much all for joining us. I heard the change bell ring a few minutes ago, so please give Ryan a hall pass um, so she can get back to class. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. It was an honor speaking with each and every one of you. And for those of you watching us on our YouTube channel or listening to us on the radio, don't go away because we'll be back with more as we speak about all the good things that are happening in Chicago's Catholic schools. are hiring. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net.
The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Catholic Chicago and for this special edition of Catholic Schools Today. My name is Vince Girasoli from the communications team here at the Archdiocese of Chicago. You might be watching us on our YouTube stream. Uh, invite everybody, you know, to uh, continue watching it with you or you can share it. Uh, you can find all the information at the bottom of your screen on how to share it. And once again, our YouTube channel. If you're on it, you already know it, but our YouTube channel is Catholic Chicago. Uh, and uh, we come to you once a month bringing you highlights of all the good things happening in our Chicago Catholic schools. We're also coming to you uh, on our radio station, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Thank you, each and every one of you, for listening to us. But now it's time to talk about writing a book. Everyone says, oh, you know, someday I'm going to write a book. And, oh, I have this book in the back of my head. And to be a writer, you just have to sit down and write. And it doesn't matter uh, what age you are, but some people make it to their uh, late 60s, early 70s, and that great book they had in the back of their head, never came to be. But uh, we have a student who actually has come up with a, a book and uh, did it at a very young age. So we're going to travel on over now to St. Simferosa School, and I think it's Joseph Tsikowski is standing by to talk with us, as well as Kathy Berry, who's principal at the school. Good morning. How are you folks today? Hello. Hello. Good Hi. morning. Joseph, first of all, I have to make sure I pronounced your last name correctly. It's Tsikowski. Is that it? It's Saskowski. Don't worry, a lot Siskowski. of people get it wrong. Yeah, well, everybody gets my last name wrong, too. So um, we are kindred spirits there as well. Now, I, I, first of all, what grade are you in? What, what Which grade? grade are you oh, in? I'm in eighth grade. You're sir. in eighth grade, and you wrote a book already. Tell me a little bit about the book. Okay, so my story is called Our Golden Rocking Chair. It was written by Dr. Mark Quinn. And he asked me to do the illustrations of it. So you put. So you were you were responsible for all of the the beautiful pictures that that appear in it. How many illustrations in the book? Uh, I would say roughly about fifteen, ten, somewhere and, in that. Amount. So, um, how do you go about coming up with illustrations for the book? And how difficult was that for you? So he gave me like a list of what he wanted the words in the story to be. So I put each stanza on a different page, and then I imagined the scene in my mind and uh, what it would look like, and then I drew what I saw. So give me an idea of what the storyline is in the book. Okay, so basically, it's this father, right? And he has this son, and he tells him a bedtime story, and he go to all sorts of places, like a pirate ship or a safari it's like imagination style. Mm -hmm. And so it's the father telling these stories to the son, and then you had to come up with the individual illustrations. Was it easy to come up with the, you know, sometimes people say the words paint a picture, or did you just let your mind sort of figure out what you were going to put on the page? I just let my mind do its thing. Mm -hmm. Have you always been good at art? Uh, Yeah. I'm relatively good at it. When did you start? Did you start doodling when you were, you know, in first grade, uh, kindergarten? Or how, how did your art journey come about? Yeah, definitely first grade, around like five. That's when I started, like, I don't know, picking up a pencil and doing stuff with it. Mm -hmm. And when you were picking up the pencil and doing stuff with it, did, did you sometimes doodle in class? And did your teachers recognize your your talents? Or did they say, please put the pencil down because this is history class? <laughs> 
I may or may not do old classic. <laughs> <laughs> do you come from an artistic family? I know, like, for example, my family, I, I'm not a musician, but everybody else is. There are so many people in my family who play instruments and do them so well, and I'm just the one who didn't. But do you come from, from an artistic family, people who draw or sing or? Well, my or, runner illustrated a book as well, so that's kind of where I got my inspiration from to accept the opportunity. And my mom, she's uh, really good at decorating cakes. Oh, that's. So, so that takes that's that's an artistic skill as well. Now, is there a competition between you and your brother over like, you know, oh, my, my flourishes are better than your flourishes or no, nothing like that. Nah, we're <laughs> really good brothers. All right. So um, you said there were about 15 illustrations in the book. It, yes. Walk me through some of them. Like what 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 does one of the illustrations look like? And I don't know that we actually have the, the book here with us, but do you have the illustrations with you? Okay, so so open up the book and show us one of the, show us the first illustration. If you could just turn okay. it toward the camera. Okay, lift it up a little higher and to your right. There, there you we go. go. Okay. All right. So, all right. So, oh, well, actually, those are the colors are really vibrant. Congratulations! And it says, "When Dad and I sit down each night in our golden rocking chair," and then I guess the story goes on about uh, the stories that Dad tells. So you got yeah. some hint there about what it should look like because the golden rocking chair has to be golden but how did you decide to create the other characters how did you how did you know what you wanted the dad to look like and how did you know what you wanted the child to look like okay so uh he told me to draw father and son and uh he said it was going to be a children's book and i thought Children like vibrant colors. Why don't I, you know, give them vibrant colors? So I gave them stuff like orange hair, uh, colorful clothing, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, do you just come up with that out of your mind? Or did you have like maybe sort of an inspiration piece? You know, in other words, I think the dad was wearing some kind of hat. You know, does your dad wear some kind of hat that was your inspiration? Or uh, uh, My grandfather used to wear a hat. He, he used to wear a hat? It, does it look yes. like the hat that you drew a little bit or no? Uh, it kind of does. It's supposed <laughs> to be a fedora. So when you created it, did you did you think that, I mean, did did you surprise yourself? You looked at it and you go, wow, I gave him a hat like my grandpa. Or did you say, I want to give him a hat like my grandpa? Uh, I'm pretty proud of my drawings. I think mm-hmm. they're pretty accurate uh, based on how I wanted to draw them. So you, you kind of knew that you wanted to create that kind of hat in it and – it didn't surprise you that much. Uh, had had you done things in, in the past? Had illustrated anything else? Uh, maybe for a school project? Uh, usually, when there's like an opportunity between a few choices, and once like illustrated a picture or something, and then like write something about it, I choose that option because I get to draw stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you show us another picture from the book? How about this okay. one? I know it's hard showing your favorite. So I won't say show us your favorite, but show us one you're really, really proud of. I like these crocodiles. Or Oh, that's great. All right. So and what's the story that's being told with the crocodiles? Okay. So basically they're in the safari and they're exploring all the animals that they can find there, like the lions and crocodiles. This takes place in Africa, so the water's very hot. So I drew some grass and a, a very bright sun. Did you do some research on what crocodiles look like, and and and, or did you just go from what was in your mind? Yeah, I definitely did some research on what crocodiles look like. Why do I always get crocodiles and alligators confused? Because aren't alligators a lot larger than crocodiles, right? Yeah, they are. And then the crocodiles have the longer, pointier noses. Is that it? Uh, yeah, one of them's more rounder. One of them's more like uh, sharper. Mm-hmm. And um. Then there was also the, there, there were the two other um, animals. I think there was a lion. Is that it on the other yeah. side of the page? So is this in the story? Is the is the father telling the story of how they both went on a safari, or is this a story about a safari? Uh, he's telling the story about how they're like traveling through the safari on their rocking chair. Mm-hmm. Did now back in your own family, who's the storyteller? Did you have a parent or a grandparent? Uh, who was the storyteller in your life? And when you were little, you remember them telling you all sorts of stories? Uh, my my mom and my stepmom, they both work at a school, and mm-hmm. they have really interesting stories on what goes on there. 
So they would tell them, I know that, you know, I wish I was the one who did this in my own family, but it was actually my wife who she read all of the Harry Potter books to my kids, and she she acted out each and every one of the characters. I mean, it was it was a joy to listen to her uh, tell the stories at night. Is that the kind of home you came from? Did did people tell you um, fantastical stories like that, or was it more? You know, they allowed you to experience the story with them reading the page. Yeah, my parents when I was really young, we used to read like all the time. All the time together. Was there is there a favorite book that you like? Uh, we like Dr. Seuss. You like the Dr. Seuss? Is there one one Dr. Seuss you like more than the others? Uh, not really. I liked them all. But like, if I had to choose one, I would say Canada Hat because it's very unique that he only had 250 words to write a book with. And he made one of the most popular books of all time. So it, so was Dr. Seuss, or Theodore Geisel, uh, was Dr. Seuss your inspiration for some of your, do you see touches of, of Dr. Seuss's illustrations in, in, um, in your work as well, or no, not necessarily? Uh, as I look through this book, I can definitely see like some of the imaginative stuff where I got like some of the colors from, and I would say that's probably where I got my inspiration from. Okay, well, you know what, you're inspiring me to... Um, not doodle, but um, to encourage other people to, to draw and uh, move forward the way you are. So uh, we've got more coming your way. We want to talk with your principal a little bit about the environment at, at, at your school uh, and uh, take a little visit there. We have a little vi- video from your school. We're going to do that after we come from a break. So please don't go away because Catholic Schools Today is going to be here in just a few minutes. We're going to take a quick break now. Stay with us. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. I can't imagine myself going into any other school. Our school fosters growth by being a backbone to our family. My kids are incredibly well-rounded. I see a lot of kindness in them on a daily basis. One of the things I think Catholic schools do well is personalize the learning experience. You can hear joy in the classrooms. I feel that like I'm happy that I am in this kind of school. Our school communities provide students with academic excellence and character education in a supportive and stable learning environment. Come see for yourself. Visit artschicago.org slash findaschool. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger. 
to our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways, to our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do and we salute you. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago. In this edition of Catholic Schools Today, I'm Vince Girasoli from the communications team here at the Archdiocese of Chicago, and we are traveling over to St. Symphorosa School today, uh, where we're uh, speaking with a budding artist who has illustrated a children's book that was put together uh, by former educator Dr. Mark Quinn, and our guest today, Joseph Siskowski, I have to say it right, um, uh, is the illustrator of the book. He was chosen uh, by Dr. Quinn, and uh, he put together these uh, fantastical illustrations um, for this children's book. I, I understand that one of the adventures in the book is an outer space adventure. Can you show us the outer space picture? I'd really like oh, yeah. to see that. And he's thumbing there. And sitting, by the way, to his right or to the left on your screen is the principal from the school, Kathy Berry. So thank you for being with us today. All right. That is a great spaceship. That is a great. I really, li I really like the flames at the bottom, too. Now, do you like science fiction? Have you have, have you been a science fiction fan, or uh, I've been interested in it, but not enough to like really investigate it. Yeah, have you followed that? That um, I think it's Elon Musk has a had a um, a spaceship that uh, recently took um, uh, astronaut. They weren't astronauts, but they're just people like you and me. Only they're billionaires, and they paid to go up uh, into space. Your spaceship looks a little like his. Let's see it again. It looks just a, it looks kind of sort of like his, the, the colors and everything. So maybe you were his inspiration. That maybe let's put it that way. <laughs> Kathy, you must be very proud to see a student like Joseph um, excelling like this. Yes, um, it's amazing. Um, I his mom, you know, told me that he um, had done this, and we're just trying to uh, let him know how. We are so excited that he's done this. Uh, we want to share it with the whole school community. Uh, we're reading it to the book to different classes, letting them ask him questions about being an illustrator. It's really a, an exciting time, and we're very proud of Joe. Well, um, I can see why. Uh, really, Joe, it's been great talking to you and, and seeing how you're inspired to to draw these pictures and, and what you draw upon to actually get the images uh, on the paper there. Kathy, tell me a little bit more about St. Symphorosa. It's located near Midway Airport, correct? It is. We're one of several schools um, in the Midway area. We're a, a small school. Uh, right now we have about 223 students, but we're growing. Our theme this year is Here We Grow, and we like to um, celebrate ways that we're growing academically, spiritually, um, and uh, we're about 60% Hispanic, 40% everything else. And uh, we have a wonderful community where our children are known and, and loved. I have an amazing staff that um, our servant leaders, they are here because they are called. I understand that you also operate parents and tots classes. I wanted to learn a little bit more about that. Sure. So one of the ways, you know, this is a time where, especially when a parent has an oldest child that's two or three, that all of a sudden they're thinking, oh, wait, we need to enroll in school. And so we like to do a parent and tot, moms and tots um, kind of class to welcome our youngest children from the community into our school and let them see what it's like to be here in school. We typically have a parent volunteer that will come in and say yes. I want to earn service hours and I want to provide this service for the for our families. And so it's a free program. Right now we're running that every Tuesday from 9 to 10. And they come into one of our preschool rooms and they spend an hour together with their family member. And it's usually like a little craft, a song, um, a, a game, just having them. And many of them are uh, younger, have older siblings in the school. So they're very excited 
to be here in the school. Um, they can't wait. They're wearing backpacks. Uh, they don't get lunch, but they're bringing lunch boxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a video we want to see now. It's on your website, and it takes people on a tour of your school. So we're going to take a look at that now. Great. Thanks. What makes St. Symphorosa a special school is the fact that we have a vision for our graduates. The vision for our graduates is that they're prepared when they graduate from eighth grade to be spiritual, have academic skills, and to be social and emotionally prepared for the future. In terms of their spiritual preparation, when they graduate, they are ready to utilize the Christian values that they've been taught throughout their lives. They also have a respect and a concern for serving others, which is really important and will help them be strong citizens. Academically, our students are ready for the challenge of high school and beyond. They have the endurance and the grit to stick with things when they're difficult. They are higher order thinkers, problem solvers, and decision makers. In terms of their social and emotional preparation, our graduates have confidence. They also think about right and wrong, they accept responsibility, and they understand consequences. I believe that having this vision helps us prepare our students from the time they enter in preschool all the way through eighth grade. We have amazing, talented, educated teachers that work hard every day for each student. We also have students that are caring, eager, that want to learn, and they're excited about being here. And then we have parents who are committed and also they volunteer their time. Not only is the curriculum preparing your child for high school and for higher education, but it helps them grow spiritually and it helps them be better human beings. I came in with arms open. There was such a family feel to the school that just made me feel so comfortable. School is not just my family, but it's your family as well. St. Symphorosa is a school that you want to send your child to because we are a family celebrating faith. Your child would be known by their name, they'd be in a, a small class, and they would get individualized attention so that we can make sure that they have the best experience and can reach our vision of a graduate, being academically, spiritually, and socially and emotionally prepared to be a strong, serving adult. It was lovely stepping inside Question. the school there. Would you build a website? Wait, we we heard some other <laughs> heard some other uh, <laughs> words there too. But no, it was lovely stepping in in into the school there, and um, you said thank it so you. well there. And we thank you for being here and reinforcing it today. And Joe, I just want to know. Um, how long did it take you to do all of the illustrations in the book, Our Golden Rocking Chair? Uh, I would say it took like an entire summer to complete. Was it last summer that you did it? Uh, yes, this was last summer. So now did you, are, are you one of those people who's inspired in the moment and you're like, oh, I got to get to work on this? Or do you set aside some time? Like every day at 10 o'clock, I worked on the illustrations for at least 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, I usually set an order time on how I want to do it. It was usually like once every week on weekends where I really had nothing else to do. And do you work in pens? Do you draw it first in pencil? What's that whole process like? So first I draw them in pencil. Then I outline the pencil outline with a pen. Then I erase the pencil and then I color in them, which is... Mm -hmm. And is that is that sort of a, a process you developed on your own, or is that or was that a process you might have learned in art class? Uh, it was a process I pretty much did by myself. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, a whole slew of pens? That, like, do, do you have your professional coloring pens at home, your art pens, and nobody better touch them because if they leave the caps <laughs> off of them, they dry or something like that? I buy them for my brother. <laughs> did you have to work out a deal, or was he more than happy to let you borrow them? He was more than happy because he knew that I was illustrating the book. How much older than you is he? Because you're in eighth grade, correct? He's 16 and he's a junior in the high school. So did did he give you any insight or offer offer any um, 
uh, I don't want to say criticism, but did, you know, did he sort of say, hey, try this or try that? Or uh, was he involved in the process at all? Uh, well, as I said before, he has illustrated a book before. So he gave me like some helpful tips on the, how to do it myself and what I should do. What were some of what were some of those tips like? Uh, he told me to, you know, color in the lines, make sure that I'm having very smooth strokes, stuff like that. He's a good artist. That would be important. Now, as as you take a look at the art you've been able to put together for this book, does it inspire you to maybe pursue the arts? In the future, is that something you'd like to do, or is this something that just remains uh, a very worthwhile diversion for you? I'm not really sure if I want to pursue art as a career, but I always will have it as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Principal Barry, do do you have art class at at Saint Symphorosa? We do. Um, we were fortunate to be able to use um, title funding mm-hmm. and. We hire an art teacher through the Fran Center. So the children have art class uh, once a week as an official class. But then, like Joe mentioned, there are opportunities within assignments where sometimes there's options. And so, you know, they can write about it. They can, you know, illustrate something. They can record a video. So it incorporates art in those assignments as well. You know, uh, while we're speaking with you, Principal, I understand you also have something called Virtue of the Month. Uh, Help me better understand how that that is presented to the students and how it's a part of your daily life at the school. So um, we believe that it's important. Um, We believe our children are stewards of God's gifts. And so we highlight the virtues. um, And we do that by once a month, we teach lessons to the children about different virtues. So for instance, the virtue this month is courage. And we talk about um, courage. Teachers are incorporating that into their lessons. We um, pray in the morning and we um, listen to Bible verse about courage. We recognize children when they are virtuous. So um, it's something called a Viking virtue voucher. And students um, earn those vouchers when a, a teacher or an adult recognizes them being virtuous. So if I see Joe um, being courageous or respectful, something today, what he's doing today, he would earn a a Viking voucher for being courageous um, to join us today for this show. So it goes into a box, which is near my office, which is wonderful because the kids get excited about putting their voucher in the box. We choose uh, one or two kind of children we're going to highlight each week and they get a special incentive. So some of those things are like having lunch with me or um, having uh, an extra time with a friend, a break. And then we also have assemblies where we come together as a community and we recognize those children who have earned. What a wonderful um, program there. Principal Barry, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It means so much that you could take time out. And Joe Sikowski, really uh, fantastic work on the book. Show us the book one more time and one more picture before we say goodbye. Again, the title of the book is Our Golden Rocking Chair. Uh, Joe illustrated the book. It was written by Dr. Martin Quinn, and he used just these vibrant colors and these these very... uh, fantastical illustrations. That looks great. It looks like somebody's taking a, a journey on a on a green horse. Sounds interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to learn more about the green horse, you're going to have to read the book, Our Golden Rocking Chair, written by Dr. Mark Quinn and illustrated by Joe Sikowski. Thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate it. Joe, I wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors and uh, keep at it because uh, it's so wonderful to have Uh, an outlet to express your creativity. And uh, boy, you sure have done a fine job there. So thank you to both of you. Uh, You can learn more about St. Symphorosa by just visiting their website. We're putting it up uh, uh, on the screen right now. They're located uh, just a little bit to the west of Midway Airport. And uh, you can learn all about all the students who uh, attend school there and uh, are busy with all sorts of projects like the one uh, you learned about today with Joe. Once again, thank you, Kathy Berry and Joe. And thank you to all of you watching us on our YouTube channel, Catholic Chicago, or listening to us on WNDZ 750 AM. Uh, We hope you will uh, continue to log on to our YouTube channel, continue to listen to us uh, every weekday morning from 8 to 9 AM on WNDZ. Uh, Stay with us. Have a happy day. Uh, 
Hopefully our guests today inspired you to uh, get out there and do something creative. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.